0: Thank you, Lord, that we are in the house of the Lord. Your word says, I was glad when they said unto me, come let us go to the house of the Lord. Father, we are so excited that we are in your house, listening to your word with your people, celebrating your presence. We love you. We honor you. We bless you today. Father, wear me like a glove. Let me be the substance of everything that's said and done. And let us walk out of here different than we came in. We promise to give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen. amen, Amen. You may be seated this morning. And this is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. In fact, this is the weekend the Lord has made. Because it's tax-free weekend. And whenever you can get away with not paying the government tax. That didn't sound right. Can we scrub that part of the tape? That's not what I meant to say. I meant to say that because it's tax-free weekend, you know what tax-free weekend always does? It always reminds us that school is about, oh my Lord. Now some of us are really happy about that. Praise the Lord um but this is also the time of year that many uh parents begin thinking about what it's actually going to bring because there's new schedules right remember the reason why you wanted summer in the first place was because the old schedule and now there are new schedules and there's new schedules and new classes and new teachers and new activities and new stress and new worries can somebody say amen amen yeah there's all sorts of things there there are people going back to college and uh that's a whole new thing and then there's uh, you know like in in my situation my eldest is becoming a junior and so i'm starting to think about college and how many of you know that's something to worry about right there amen and then uh and then my son is starting high school praise the lord and he's also in band, and if you know anything about band and the hours, and I'm worried about how he's going to actually balance the time of band with his studies, and will he be able to keep up with both in a new environment, and new friends, and a whole new thing, and, and I'm kind of worried. And then my little one, she's six, and she's going to the first grade, and I'm worried. I don't know what I'm worried about, but I'm sure there's something to be worried about right there. Because every time there's like this new beginning in your life, every time there's something new, some change, something happens, there's this this, this stress and this worry that comes along with it. And uh, it, it's one of those things where many of us are in this place of worry. And over the summer, as we were going to these different colleges and, and stuff like that, I started going through this, this season of worry. And so, um, so I, I, this message is really for me. But... <laughs> but I'm inviting you to listen to me preach to myself. Is that all right? And so, um, and so it's like we're worried as if the, the summer is kind of set up in a, in a way to make us relax in every area. And then all of a sudden the reality hits that the fall is coming and things are going to happen and things are going to start moving fast again. And it's almost as if we're unprepared because like we're no longer in control. And we have... We have our worries, don't we? And some of us are worried. It's not about our kids. Some of us are worried about our finances or our relationships or something that happened. There's a a worry about what's going to take place in our future. And and some, some of us, we're worried about who's in the White House or who might be in the White House. And you can't even control that, but you're worried about it. Some of us worried about the environment or we're worried about the economy. We're worried about all sorts of things. And we have this long list of things that we end up being worried about. And so as I was thinking about it, I started thinking about how, how does God want us to handle worry? You see, part of the problem with worry is this. Worry has three major problems. Number one is, first of all, it's completely unhelpful, it's unreasonable, and it's unhealthy. And when I say it's unhelpful, I mean, like, it's absolutely the most unhelpful thing you could... It is totally useless. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. Like, you have something to do, but you ain't going nowhere. Are you with me? Uh, You you can either stew or do, but it's your choice. You either stew or do. Worry is just like a stewing. It accomplishes nothing. It's completely unreasonable. Because what worry does is exaggerates the problem way beyond what the problem actually is. How many of you ever worried about something that never actually came to pass? Come on, let me see your hand. Of course. You know why? Because a majority of the things that you worry about actually don't happen. How many of you worried about something that already took place and you can do nothing about? So, okay, so that makes up like 90% of the things we worry about either never happens or we can't do anything about them. So it's completely unreasonable. It completely makes, makes everything larger than it actually is. And the third thing is it's unhealthy. When you think about worry, think about this. Like the doctor never says, hey, you know what? You need to be under a little bit more stress. Have you tried that before? Nobody says that. You know what? They, the first thing the doctor says to you is, tell me, how much stress have you been under lately? How's work? It's like, come on, man. What, what does that have to do anything? Because worry is complete. Our bodies were not made to worry. Like grass doesn't worry. It just grows. Right? Animals, they don't worry. I mean, Jesus said, hey, the sparrow, he does not work for nothing. God just provides for him. He's just happy all the time. It's complete. We are the only creatures that worry. Think about that. It's unhealthy. In fact, the old English word for worry is the word to strangle or to choke. And that's what happens to us when worry happens. It's like it chokes Uh, the life out of us there's um there is uh a hindu guy who said this about worry Uh, i'm gonna put it on the screen um you might know his name his name is gandhi Um, and he says this there is nothing that wastes the body like worry and one who has any faith in god should be ashamed to worry about anything whatsoever oh my gosh I mean, Gandhi like, believed in like a million gods. And, you know, but, but here's his conclusion. Listen, if, if you have any faith in God whatsoever, you should be ashamed if you worry. What? How about this one? I like, I like this next quote. This is kind of cool. A day of worry is more exhausting than a week of work. <laughs> That's funny right there. I thought that was good. Here's the deal. We're going to talk about worry, but we're going to talk about it from perspective of Psalm 23. And I'm, I'm talking about it because David is, is uh, probably one of those guys who went through so much stuff that if there was anybody who had something to worry about, it was David. And, and when, when, the, when the Bible scholars look at Psalm 23, they figure that Psalm 23 must have been written near the end of David's life because it's such a mature sounding psalm. And I don't even know how they say that. You know, I don't understand that. But what they're saying is that the words of this psalm aren't about complaints, aren't about, oh, look what I'm going through. Oh, God, my enemies. Oh, would you do? It's not about that. It's about a guy who's almost looking back on his life and saying, look, this is what God has been to me. And think about David and what David's been through. I mean, at 17, he had to face a giant. Do you remember that? Right? He had to face a giant. And then, like shortly after that, right, he gets married to the king's daughter. Okay, marriage itself is a stress. And then you add on that. And then you add on that being married to the daughter of the most powerful man in all the land. I mean, how much pressure is that? Right? And then not only that, the guy then offers you a job. You're like 20 years old and you become the head of his army. Okay, that's like some serious, serious stuff. And then on top of that, here's what happens next. Then your father-in-law, the king, the most powerful man, like President Obama. Let's, let's use that. So he's like President Obama, right? The most powerful man in the land. He then wants to kill you. And if you think about it, you know, you're... you're you're married to Sasha, and then Obama says, "Hey, I want to kill this guy." So he has like the Secret Service and the CIA and the FBI, and like he has everybody that he can—the you know, entire armed forces. And this is what Saul was doing. Saul was treating, and here for four years. So David is running from Saul from four years, not living in a house, living from cave to cave. Not only was he living from cave to cave, he was also leading 600 men and their families with him while living from cave to cave. Those are some big caves. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, okay, he has another four years where Saul isn't running, uh, isn't chasing him, but he can't return home because if he does, then Saul is going to kill him anyway. So for eight years between the ages, captured, is 22 to 30, he's an uh, he's like in exile, running from his life with 600 guys who are saying, um, I hope you have a plan to feed us today. Yeah. At 30 years, he becomes king, and then not long after that, he commits adultery. And it gets recorded in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's one thing to commit adultery and nobody knows. <laughs> Man, he wasn't even, no, it wasn't even just his wife that knew. Everybody knew. I mean, he, we know. All right? I mean, how, much, how embarrassing is that? So he commits adultery. He commits murder. Okay? And so, so he goes through all that. And then, watch this. Then one of his daughters gets raped by one of his sons. Yeah, oh, yeah. You didn't know that, did you? Then yeah. not only that. Then one of his sons gets killed by one of his sons. Then one of his sons uh, tries to overthrow him and his throne. Then one of his best friends kills the son. Okay, what do you have to worry about? (laughs) Like seriously, this guy has gone through. I mean, you may be able to identify with one of those things, but certainly that. That's some serious stuff right there. And so Psalm 23, if we look at it, the first thing I want to show you is that God has a role when it comes to this issue of worry. How do you battle worry? God has a role. And God's role is that God promises to be my shepherd. God promises to be my shepherd. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, the Lord is my what? Come on, shout it out. Shepherd. Shepherd. Lord is my shepherd. Huh? And how is that the antidote to, to worry? How does that deal with worry? How does that cure worry? And if you understand what a shepherd does, if you understand kind of the role of a shepherd, then you understand why it is that David would own this psalm and say, hey, you know what? When I look back at my life, I realize that all this time God has been my, my shepherd. A shepherd does four things really well. He provides and guides. He protects and corrects. He provides and guides, he protects and corrects. I want you to say that with me. He provides and guides, he protects and corrects. And when I say he provides, what I mean is that he provides everything the sheep needs. If you ever notice this about sheep, sheep cannot provide for themselves. Sheep have no fangs. They can't go hunting, okay? They have no claws. They can't scratch. They can't climb. They can't can't do nothing. Sheep doesn't do, I mean, can I say it this way? That the shepherd does everything for their sheep. He said, well, what about the wool? Yeah, okay, so the wool, you know, is their fair share. Saw what I did with that? Share wool. Y'all are really slow. But sheep can't do anything for themselves. Everything that a sheep gets is provided by the shepherd. You remember the shepherd leads him by still water into green pastures? Like everything, everything that. So the shepherd provides. Here's the other thing the shepherd does the shepherd guides. In other words, when sheep are confused, and sheep get confused a lot. When sheep are lost, sheep get lost a lot. Look, the only thing that helps them out is the shepherd. Like every time Jesus speaks about people who are spiritually lost, you know what he says? He says they were like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, because because the shepherd provides what the shepherd also guides. And the third thing is that the shepherd protects. He defends the sheep against the enemy. He protects the sheep against harm. The shepherd is there to protect. And finally, the shepherd corrects. Meaning that anything that goes wrong, any problem that's in their life, the shepherd corrects that problem. That's why all things do indeed work together for. Good, like like Brother James says, because the shepherd corrects everything in the sheep's life. And so, God has promised to do these four things in our lives that if we'll trust Him, if we let Him be our shepherd, if you let Him be your shepherd, then He will, let's see it together, provide and guide, protect and correct. Amen. For provide and guide, protect and correct. Isaiah 40, verse 11, says it this way The Lord takes care of His people. Like a shepherd. He gathers the people like lambs in his arms. He carries them close to him. That word take care of his people is actually a verb of the word shepherd. So it really should read something like this. The Lord shepherds his people like a shepherd. In other words, he protects. Sorry, sorry. He he provides and protects and... Exactly. So that's how God deals with his people. Uh, Get more specific, uh, Philippians 4 verse 19, you you probably know this verse. It says, and my God will meet or provide all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. God says, I, and I want to catch this word, God will. God will provide, Uh, not might, not ought to, not, it's none of those, can you think about it? No, he says, I will. And when God says, I will do something, what he's doing is putting his own reputation on the line. He's saying, if I don't do this, I'm lying. Mm. The Bible says God doesn't lie. What does he mean? I will. He says he either does it or he's a liar. Here's the other word I want you to focus on in this, is the word all. God will provide all. What does all mean? All means all man. Your mortgage? Yeah. Your doctor's bill? Yeah. Your relationship needs? Yes. yes. For your kids? Yes. For every single thing that you could be concerned, worried, fretting about, God says, I've got it under control. I'll do it. You don't have to worry about it. It's an all-inclusive deal. You see, in Jamaica, we have these hotels called all-inclusive hotels. A lot of them in Jamaica. And, and how it works is this. You pay one price and everything comes with the price of the room. So when you when you get the room and you walk in, all the food is a part of the deal. And you can eat whenever you want and however much you want. You don't have to worry about anything. You can drink this is a church. Maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> but you can drink as much Coca-Cola as you want. Come on now. <laughs> you don't have to worry about the thing. Guess what? You don't even have to tip the people because even the tip is included in the you don't have, in fact, the favorite song at our hotels in Jamaica is Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Plays there all the time. That's what it's like when God is your shepherd. Hallelujah. It's all inclusive. It covers everything you could ever think or dream or imagine. He covers it. He says, I am a part of that. You don't have to worry. I've got it under control. It's mine. Leave it to me. Amen? Amen. 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 So, worry is not only unhelpful and unreasonable and unhealthy, but it's also unnecessary if God is your shepherd. I mean, every time you worry, I want you to listen to this. Every time you worry, you're acting like an atheist. I shouldn't have said that, should I? I That's pretty heavy. Because Every time you worry, you're acting like an atheist because what you're saying is if there is no God, or even if He does exist, He ain't going to keep His promises. Worry is the opposite of faith. Hey, watch this. Remember, I'm preaching to myself, okay? So you're just, you're just looking in. To worry... Is to have faith in the enemy. To worry is to have faith in the enemy. To worry is to say. Satan your word is true. What you say is going to come to pass. Will come to pass. I believe in you. That's what worry does. So God's role is. He promises to be my shepherd. But I have a role too. And my role is. I must choose to be his sheep. So this says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's here's what it says. The, The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not everybody's shepherd. The Lord is not everybody's shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd to those who are his sheep. Are you with me? I want to emphasize a different word than the word shepherd. I want to emphasize the first word. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, here's a question you need to ask yourself. Um, The Lord is my shepherd only if the shepherd is my Lord. If the shepherd isn't my Lord, then the Lord isn't my shepherd because the two go together. So the question is, is the shepherd your Lord? What does it mean to be Lord? It means that he's in control. You could call him master, you could call him the CEO, you could call him the boss, you know Because here's the deal. With some of us, the Lord is resident, but He's not president. And what God says is, "Hey, go look, if you want me to be a shepherd, you have to make me your Lord, because I cannot be your shepherd if I'm not your Lord." The Lord is my shepherd. What does it mean? that mean? That means that He's the one calling the shots. He's calling the shots. And if He's not calling the shots, then He's not Lord. And if He's not Lord, then He's not the shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. So... To allow Jesus to be Lord means a couple of things. And John 10, Jesus talks about himself in this way. He says, I am the good shepherd. But, but here's how he qualifies this whole thing. I am the good shepherd. Because in verse 10 he says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep what? Know me. My sheep know me. In other words, the first thing you need to know is that, that for God to be your shepherd, you've got to know him. If you don't know him, he's not your shepherd. But there's more to it than just knowing him. Because this is all about a relationship. Verse 27, he goes on to it and he tells you kind of the nature of his sheep. He says, my sheep, listen to this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Two parts. Listen and follow. Listen, say that with me. Listen and follow. Come again. Listen and follow you know here's what he's saying look my sheep actually spend time with me so they can get to know my voice they listen to me somebody said well i haven't even i i don't know the the voice of the lord listen sometimes you need to stop listening for a voice and look for a verse Because some of us are waiting, Lord, speak to me. And he says, "Um, man, do you know how many letters I've written to you? You want want a phone call and guess what? I've given you a bunch of texts. Once you follow the text. And based on how you respond to the text, maybe I'll need to call you. Come on now, somebody gotta help me with this right here. Read the text. Man, so many times somebody called me and said, hey, did you get my text? No. It's on the phone, but I didn't read it. Read the text. It's real frustrating when you call somebody after you've texted them a long time. and then read none of your texts. Read the text. Tell the person beside you, read the text. Read the text. They listen to me. They read the text. They hear my voice. And then here's the next thing. They follow me. So if you read the text, but then do your own thing, you are calling the shots, not him hope somebody's hearing me this morning because the truth is when it comes down to it worry really is a, not an emotional issue watch this worry is a control issue where's is a control issue in fact the root behind all worry is the fear that you are not in control worry says this oh my god I'm not in control. Here, here's the thing: you have there's a competition going on between who's going to be God, you or him. And when you start to worry, what you're saying pretty much is, "Hey, I'm trying to be my own God, and it ain't working out." Because words an attempt to control the uncontrollable, man. So weak we have a hard time controlling our own habits, much less controlling our spouse and controlling our kids and controlling I mean, our boss and our coworkers. And we try to control so much stuff and we can't even control us. I want you to know this and I, I, this is going to be like revelation to some of you. You are not in control. Amen. You're not in control. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. Hallelujah. So worry is a warning light. Okay? It's a warning. And whenever you start to worry, this warning light should go off that says, Warning, you are trying to control too much. Every time you start to worry, you should start to realize, Okay, am I really responsible for what I'm worrying about? Or is this really something I should be submitting to God? Every time you start to worry, something inside of you should start to awaken and say, "You know what? Um, I'm trying to take on something I'm not supposed to take on myself." I'm not talking about don't act, don't be, you know, in a, in a wor- I'm talking about the stewing, the sitting down, and the fretting, and not doing anything about it, but walking around miserable and causing everybody else around you to get miserable. That's what I'm talking about. Wow. The worrying. Say, who's in control of your life? And God gives you the option. He's not going to force himself to be in control of your life, but he knows that if he's in control, things will work out much better because he knows what to do to make you have a fulfilled, happy, joyful life. But if you try to do it yourself, you're going to crash and burn every time. God doesn't play co-pilot. I know you see those bumper stickers, God is my co-pilot. Let me tell you the problem with co-pilots. When the pilot crashes, the co-pilot gets blamed. So God doesn't play co-pilot because he can't submit to you. So he's either the pilot or he's not in the cockpit. Oh boy. So if you are in control of your life, you're playing God. And if you're doing that, then you ought to be worried. You ought to be worried right there. But if God is in control, if God is doing everything, then guess what? You don't need to be worried because He's the only one who can change it anyway. He's the only one. Here's the other thing you need to do. Not only uh, make sure... I'm watching my time. Not only make sure that you're His sheep and that you accept Him. A is accept, but B is begin praying about everything. Begin praying about everything. The thing about sheep is, sheep are very, very dependent. They're very dependent. And so sheep are, are you know, sheep are not the smartest animals, okay? Just, just help you out here. Sheep are not the smart, smartest animals. And sometimes, you know, when God, the fact that God calls us sheep can be very insulting, all right? Because sheep are pretty dumb, all right? The thing is that sheep are dependent. Of, like, you know, nobody's afraid of getting attacked by a wild sheep. It's just like, like oh my gosh, there's a wild sheep. Let's run. like nobody, nobody even cares. No such sort of thing, right? So sheep are very, very dependent. So here's the thing: sheep need to really ask the shepherd for everything that they need. So pray about all the stuff that you usually worry about. Some people say, "Man, I don't even have time to pray." Well, let me ask you this: Do you have time to worry? Because if you have time to worry, you have time to pray. Uh, You can, you see, worry can't change anything, but prayer can change everything. So when you start worrying, you have one of two choices. You can either panic or you can pray. Philippians 4 um, verse 6 says it this way. uh, Don't worry about what? Anything. That's a big statement. Don't worry about anything. Nothing? Nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? If. I lost. Oh, here we go. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Look at the next verse, verse 7. Then, when? Then, after you've prayed about it, after you've brought it to Him, then you will experience God's peace. Not panic, but peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Hey, the way to deal with it is to pray about it. Pray about everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. I, I like... Max Lucado, uh Christian author, says this, no one can pray and worry at the same time. That's real interesting. Now, what I like even more, catch this quote. This is by Martin Luther, not King, but Martin Luther, great reformist, um, Christian reformist. Here's what he says, pray and let God worry. Ha <laughs> ha! I used, to, I used to work in uh, the advertising field years ago and I was a junior copywriter and my senior copywriter was a guy by the name of Marlon James. And Marlon James was, and I became really, really good friends. Um, Marlon was a genius at writing, at coming up with concepts for, for ads, for television ads, the newspaper ads, just, just anything. He was just a genius. And he and I were the only people in our department. And so between both of us, we were like the creative team that would then spit out these ideas to the artists, and the different people, the different talent for them to actually create the ads. So we would sit down all the time. And over and over again, this this same scenario would play out where a deadline was coming up and I'd say, Marlon, this deadline is coming up. Man, what are we going to do about it? I mean, we don't even have a concept. And here's what Marlon used to say to me all the time. Marlon used to say, "Um, do I look worried? And I'd say, no. He says, don't worry till you see me worrying. If I'm not worried, you don't have to worry. Now, he could say that because this guy was a genius. This guy could come up with concepts like this. This guy could write, I mean, he was creative to the hilt. But here's the point he was making I've got it, so you don't have to worry about it. You're my junior. When I get into trouble, that's when you need to say, Oh, God, help. But as long as I'm calm, You're okay. You don't have to worry about it. No, let me tell you something. Do you think God is worried about anything? So here's the deal. Start worrying when you think God is worried. When you think, oh God, you must be up there biting your fingernails. No, that's the time you start worrying. But as long as you know that God isn't worried about it, you don't need to worry about it. Because what he's saying is, I got this. I got this. You don't have to worry about it. I've got this. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. First uh, Peter, Peter 5 verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. The King James says, Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Some of us, we cast it like a fishing line and we draw it back in. But that's not what caste means. Cast actually means to roll it off or to transfer or to relieve yourself of it. In other words, it's almost like a big boulder. And that's what worry feels like. That you're letting off your back and let somebody else care it for you. That's what God says. I will carry the burden for you. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, let me take it. I will take it from you. Matthew 6 verse 31 says, therefore, I love this, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or What shall we wear? Do not worry. Verse 32 for after all these things the Gentiles, you know, those who don't know God, they're worried and they seek for your heavenly Father what knows that you need. He knows it. He knows it. And then he says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be ha- added unto you." So allow Jesus to be your leader to be your shepherd, to be your Lord. The second thing is to begin praying about everything. And thirdly, see, consider one day at a time. Consider one day at a time. Yeah. Here's the thing about sheep. Sheep have really bad eyesight. I don't know if you know this, but sheep can't see very far. That's why they get lost a lot because they just keep looking at whatever is right in front of them. They, can't, they, just keep follow, they, they follow the grass. Wherever the grass grows, that's where they're going. That's it. Okay? So sheep can't see very far. That's why when when you see a, a shepherd rescue the sheep, the sheep is already right by the edge of the cliff. And all the sheep can see is down. Here's the thing. If the sheep just turned around, the sheep could walk away. But he can't see very far. All he can see is the danger. He can't even see where he's coming from. You've got to depend on God one day at a time because oftentimes, here's what we do. We try to foretell the future so far. Now, we get worried today about what hasn't even happened yet. So that's why Jesus says, uh, in Matthew 6, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day. You, you remember that old hymn? One day at a time, sweet Jesus. You know that song? Yeah. That's all I'm asking of you. Yeah. Hey, come on. here's the deal one day Jesus said it this way uh, when you pray say to God this give me this day my daily bread this day my daily bread today my father used to say this today is the tomorrow that we worried about yesterday today is the tomorrow that we I was worried about uh, today and um, so I was at a clean up and um And so my my shoulder was all messed up, you know, because sometimes I get stress up in my shoulder. And this guy, one of the volunteers, uh, came and he started to massage me. (laughs) 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 So that's why I shout out to this. Thank you for all the volunteers who came up again, one more time, because I benefited in so many ways, all right? But here's, here's the deal today's the tomorrow. That you worried about yesterday. And when you worry, you don't just, you don't, you can't do anything about yesterday. You can't really do anything about tomorrow. All you do is mess up today. That's all you do. And so, (laughs) so here's the deal here's the deal overcoming worry is a day to day exercise it's a day-to-day choice am i going to believe that the lord is my shepherd or am i going to believe i am my own lord who is in control of my life who's calling the shots if i'm in control i know i have a lot to worry about but if god is in control it's his problem he can handle it it's okay it's okay so what's got you worried today What is it that causes you to toss and turn? I can't sleep at night. What causes that? What causes you to eat too much or not to eat at all? What causes you to stay up late and wake up early? And if you burn a candle at both ends, that's not very bright. (laughs) It's pretty good right there, right? What is it that causes you to make everybody else miserable because you're trying to control it, but it really is under or needs to be under God's control? Jesus said it once again. Your heavenly father, Matthew six thirty three. Your heavenly father already knows perfectly well what you need and he will give them to you. And I like this version because it says, if you. You give him first place in your life. If you give him first place in your life, he will make sure that you have everything you need that you're worried about. You know, Psalm 23, David wrote the whole psalm and, over and over again words like i and me and and you and him are over and the whole psalm really is a big psalm about relationship it's this relationship between david and god and that's the thing that 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 god kind of wants us to understand that the antidote to stress to worry is not religion It's not coming to church it's not it's not doing all of this kind of making keeping rules and The, the antidote To stress and to worry is a relationship with Him. It's really understanding and knowing your shepherd that He will provide, He will guide, He will protect, and He will correct. And God says, that's what I made you for. I made you to have a relationship with me. I made you so that you wouldn't have to carry these worries and burdens by yourself, but that you and I would commune in such a way that you will be able to trust me to be the shepherd, to be the Lord, to be the one who will take it by, um, on him so that you wouldn't have to take it on yourself. I don't know what you're worried about or stressed about today, but I do know this, that God loves you, that he cares about what stresses you out, and that he can help you. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There's only one real Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Not might be, not hopefully. He is. The Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that with certainty? Can you with certainty say, you know what? He is my shepherd. He is my Lord he can't be one without the other. And when you can say that and mean it, you're going to stop worrying. Because you'll know that he has it in control. Would you bow your heads with me? This summer I've come across people who have gone from a place of just worrying about stuff to a place of hopelessness. A place of despair. It's gotten so bad in their lives that they just feel like there is no hope for whatever it is that they've been worrying about. Whatever it is that's concerning them, they've gotten to the place of just absolutely no hope. And here's the thing, I don't want that to be your story I don't want it to be the story where you feel so worried that you become confused and overwhelmed and you get to a place where you feel like you're taking on a responsibility that's not even yours to carry that really belongs to Him so I pray for you today and I especially want to pray for those of you here who don't know the Lord as your shepherd you just you you haven't asked Him. You haven't accepted Him as Lord or allowed Him to be Lord. And I want to pray for you. Maybe you just haven't submitted your life to Him yet and today is your day. And you're saying, you know what? I need the Lord to be my shepherd because I can't do it alone. Then there are others of you here who your situation is not that the Lord isn't your shepherd. It's just that He... You've gotten to a place where He's not as much Lord as He used to be. And you need to recommit some stuff to Him and recommit your life to Him.